Welcome to The Millionaire's Lawyer, where you'll hear leading professionals share expert advice on how to grow your business and sell it for maximum profitability. If you want to learn lawyer-proven strategies for building and exiting your business, then this is the podcast for you. Your host, J.P. McAvoy, is a business lawyer, college professor, and best-selling author who has been assisting clients start, grow, and sell their businesses for millions of dollars for over 15 years. Will yours be the next? Now here's your host, J.P. McAvoy. Welcome to The Millionaire's Lawyer. Today we're speaking with Helen Kayen, who is an innovation consultant. She's a trainer, facilitator, coach, and speaker with over 20 years of experience helping companies navigate innovation changes. She guides Fortune 500 small business and nonprofits to have a better understanding of innovation and innovation processes. She creates new products and services and helps build effective teams and support a user-centered culture. Before this, she was with Strategic Insights, and she has an executive and management positions in advertising, marketing research, HR finance, and sales, as well as a VP of an innovation for a startup. Ellen, how are you today? Great. Good morning. Great so to see you So glad to be here. with you here. Yeah. Yeah, nice to see you on this side. Uh, and um, so we're talking about an innovation consultant. I think it's perhaps a little bit self-explanatory, but uh, can you tell us a bit more about what, uh, what an innovation consultant does on a day-to-day basis? Okay, well, it's pretty easy in a way and pretty complicated. So basically, a lot of companies want to be innovative, whether they're small or they're big. It's a big buzzword, but really nobody knows how to do it because people are not trained. That's not something they learn in school. And then they put together and they have a task to innovate. And so this is where I can really help. Yeah, task to innovate, right? And uh, that can be, I guess, industry specific is you'll look at whatever business is doing whatever they're doing and talk about how they can be innovative in their own space. Yeah, so really uh, my work is about process, tool, and really ultimately thinking. So I work for any type of industry. I work for... uh, software, I work for uh, small businesses, I work for uh, fashion, I work for a package good company. It really doesn't matter because the thinking and the process and the way we can work better together as a team is pretty much the same. That's so interesting, so fascinating when you say that. Uh, So I would love to dig into it a little bit deeper. When you say process tool thinking, uh, can we we go through part of that exercise or see what that would look like? So uh, how would you take somebody through that? Yeah, take us through, take us through what the, I guess you begin with process. So take us through the process. So um, for those who know those buzzwords, I'll give you a little context and then I will explain uh, for everybody else. Uh, so a lot of the framework I use is a mix of design thinking and uh, a process called creative problem solving. But ultimately is thinking, well, we are in business and we have to solve problem and we don't have an obvious solution. So we need to use our creativity. And what it takes is really three kind of universal steps. The first one is let's be sure we understand fully and work on the right problem. And, you know, Einstein supposedly had said, if I have an hour to save the world, I will take 55 minutes to understand the problem. And this is often what we don't do because we make assumption and we jump to conclusion and we just take an idea and run. Mm -hmm. The second big step is look at our ideas, look at overall options, think a little bit out of the box and then narrow down uh, options. And then the third part is let's develop and implement them. So really it's about understanding the problem, ideate, develop solution, test and implement. Hmm. And as you say, a lot of it's laying the foundation right properly from the beginning. So understanding the question or what we're trying to actually solve, right? 
Exactly. And often we uh, don't take enough time um, because we, we each come from a different background and we all have our specialty. And so we come from some biases that we don't even know and a, a certain way of thinking. And so we think we know what the problem is from the R&D person knows it and the salesperson knows it and the marketing person knows it. But guess what? There is a different aspect to it. And unless we talk together and really put together all the things we know and have a shared understanding and say, there's actually a lot of problem we could solve, but which one is the one that really mm -hmm. we think is the important one to solve right now that's going to really help us achieve the goal. So the other thing that is really important is be clear about what we're trying to achieve. And too often people go and have this great new project and they're super excited and they take a lot of money and time in two years. And it's like, what? why we actually even have done that. So be sure we really clear up front on what we're trying to accomplish together. Hmm. Okay. Um, totally understand that. I think it makes, uh, makes sense. Uh, and you really just have to dig in uh, to make sure that you're uh, um, hitting, hitting that target. Uh, and then once you've, I guess, uh, identified the problem, uh, what's, what's the next step? What's the next step? I mean, again, well, I know I'm taking a leap as I say that, but yeah, we've identified a problem. Does it make sense to work through a, an actually a practical application? Like I'm, if I'm working with, yeah, uh, yeah actually, sure. I mean, maybe it does make sense because I understand we're saying drilling down, I guess, at this stage, when we talk about that question, let me think about the type of things that I see come across my desk. Uh, for yeah. example, then uh, I'm getting a lot of people that are doing AI technology with AI right now. Voice AI in particular uh, is one that I'm seeing a fair bit of uh, in my day job. Uh, so if I've got a client that's developed some voice AI, I can extrapolate from what you just said to, to understand for a particular business, they're looking to commercialize voice AI. Uh, and so in so doing, they're looking to solve a problem. Uh, I've got uh, AI companies that are doing things that they want to uh, provide information and answers to, to members of the public. I've got some, I shouldn't be too specific, but I got some that, uh, I mean, I don't think it would be a surprise for anybody to know that I'm working with some clients that are looking to deliver legal solutions to members of the public. So people that have questions about the law in their specific jurisdiction, they're looking to a voice AI solution, or I have a client that's looking to provide a voice AI solution that is looking to solve those problems. So there you go. There's the, there's the, the company or the real world example. Um, uh, obviously, perfect. from what we talked about, yeah, we need to drill down and make sure that we understand what that is before we start implementing or innovating. But how would you take us through for that example? So this is a perfect example because tech is often like that. There's a visionary yes. that have the product idea. Yes. And sometimes it's great, but I would come and talk to them or to you and say, well, let's back up a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, what do we know about our potential users? What are the problems? What are they doing today? And that would be, um, you know, we talk a lot in, in design thinking about ethnographic research. So not research when you just talk to people in a vacuum, but go to their law offices, go to NC or go to somebody's home and say, you have a legal problem. How do you search today? And watch them or ask them to fill up a diary, or, uh, you know, really understand what they do today, and then see what's working for them and not so well working. Then we can say, okay, with all this information, and we have also market research data, hard data, you know, um, qualitative, quantitative data, things we know, what problem do we really want to solve with this? So instead of saying, well, we just want to do uh, artificial intelligence for legal issues, what problem do we really want to solve? And maybe this is, uh, we want people to um, be less, the biggest problem we realize in our research is that people are really overwhelmed. So now we have the more specific problem is how to make a simple AI system that get people in 
really quickly answer that will take days and they actually don't even, they drop the ball because they don't even finish their research because they don't even know what to do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So now we have a very specific problem. Then you can look at our ideas for that. So we might have that AI technology, but now that we have that more specific problem about really making it less overwhelming and really easy and fast, then we can really define a product better and look at options to really deliver on that. And then, so that would be the idea phase. And then once we have that, then uh, I would say before we put a lot of research time and R&G and things like that, because it's probably very expensive, this mm -hmm, AI technology, mm -hmm. can we do some uh, very fast, cheap prototype? So it could even be, there's this uh, tools, which is called the kind of the Wizard of Oz tool. So you might have somebody, you might have people come and pretend they do the AI research and you have somebody that pretending they're the AI, but actually there's no AI, it's a human person for now, but people don't know that because it'd be behind the screen. And people can have this experience about how would it be to work with this AI and what works and what not. And so that we can learn a lot just from that without spending a lot of time and money. And then we might have a, a prototype that works a little bit and just on one thing and then we'll develop it and learn. And so the test and learning and not trying to be perfect is also really important because it's fast in the process and helps solve a lot of time and money. It's a very different mentality than um, the typical, we can't do anything on half, we have all a deck in a row. And guess mm -hmm. what, especially in that field, if you wait so long, that technology is going to be already obsolete anyway. That's right, yeah. So, uh, I mean, interesting that uh, the type of advice you just described there is a type that we give off and get going on the project, as you say, test it and be prepared for it to pivot or change shape or evolve exactly. uh, as it uh, moves along. You need to be doing that, obviously, in the technology industry. It just, it's a necessary component of trying to keep up with the, ch the pace of change that's occurring right now. Okay, so that's great. So we talk about uh, the, I guess it's almost proof of concept, right? And then you're moving into kind of a, uh, a yeah. prototype. And it's interesting because some of the AI companies do just as you describe, where they, uh, uh, they, they'll have a live you know, person behind you know, acting as the AI agent for a period of time to give some shape and form to things. Um, so I guess you're getting to the spot there where you're now talking proof of concept as you build up that prototype. What's next? What's next for the business owner? So what's next is, uh, you know, scale it up and do it in a way that uh, it's, uh, it, it limits the risk and it's also go fast. So it's always that tension, especially technology. But uh, if you're a small business owner, you might not be able to invest 20 million or 40 million, or you might be also struggling for funding or something. So how can you scale it up and get that proof of concept? So maybe you, you know you taste a fake thing and then you have a real one and you do uh, a test with 20 people and then see what happened. And we learn. And it's really the idea that it's not a linear process; it's really iterative. So you learn, you change, you get to the next and the next and the next. So that's really, uh, really that. And for small businesses, it's always a challenge about, do we have the funding for that? And so what can, mm -hmm. how can we be smarter, basically? Because we don't have the corporate resources of like, with $10 million or $100 million at this project. Um, so yeah. it's, it's the, the agility and, and the mentality of, let's just try and be, and you know, cut some corner, that's okay. It doesn't have to be perfect, but we learn and we, we can really move that project forward. Yeah, and that's you're hitting it on the head again because that's what allows them to get to the spot where they are perhaps investment worthy. I won't say investment ready, but investment worthy, right? So to have something developed clever or innovative 
that uh, an investor bringing their skill set is prepared to invest into it, right? So to get into that spot, I see a lot of clients in the phase that you're just describing there. And it is a mentality. You use the word mentality. I think it's a good, uh, it's a good word to use for it. Uh, when we talk about that mentality, what are some of the ways that you work with clients to put them in the right frame of mind and make sure that they are thinking about things in the right way? Um, you know, there is a framework I use that is, I think, very useful. And sometimes I take my clients, you know, don't remember anything about my training, just remember this. And this is a, called the principle of dynamic balance. And the idea is that in the creative process, any phase of it, there is two key elements. One is called diverging. And when you diverge, you look at a lot of options. And you kind of, and the most important part is there is rule associated with it. The biggest one is let's suspend judgment. So let's throw everything. Doesn't matter if you feel silly, stupid, we would never do, just throw it there. And, you know, it can be a hundred ways to look at your problem. It can be a hundred ideas for your product. It can be a hundred ways to sell it to new clients. It can be a hundred ways to convince investors, anything. So you hundred ways without of, judgment is what you're saying. hundred ways without judgment. Exactly. Yeah. Let's just do that. And sometimes it's, let's take 10 minutes as a group and say, you know, for the next 10 minutes, we're not going to say, this is not possible. This takes too much time. Can't never do it in a company. Let's just suspend that. Let's put everything. I work with a lot of post-its so people can work at the same time. Everything is there. Nobody has to fight for the idea because everything can be in that space. And then the second phase of that dynamic balance is the convergence. And when you converge, you are pick and select. And there's also rules associated with it, which is um, you want to give every idea a chance. You want to be sure you look back at your criteria. Now, what does success look like? Is this going to maybe fit with the criteria or not? The other thing is don't forget that you're trying to do something new. So don't kill novelty too early. And that process is really important. And often in you know, traditional creativity, people would do, oh, we did a brainstorming and we had 300 ideas and nothing happened because we did that divergence. We come with a 300 and we don't have a process and a system to converge and pick and make decision and decide what's in and also decide what's out in a very clear way. Mm-hmm. And also oh, that's avoid those ideas coming back again and again. Because otherwise, yeah, oh, I had this idea at this meeting, but I was not heard. So next time I bring it again and again, it's not efficient. So that dynamic balance principle is something that is really, uh, really powerful. It's a different mentality and it can be big scale. I, I work with clients and we do a three-day workshop and we're going to do divert and converge maybe 20 times. It. it can be we have an hour meeting and we just talk a little bit and we say, okay, five minutes, everybody's idea is good. And then we'll decide and pick and we just you know, do that for the rest of the meeting. It doesn't have to be big, but it's a big mind shift and it can be really powerful when you want to have some innovative result. So it's to give freedom, right? Uh, to give people the, uh, I guess, the space or uh, yeah, space, if you will, to uh, and uh, empowering them and allowing them to um, even be brave or bold with their ideas. Um, and then, from those, from what you're saying, I mean, it's great to have a whole bunch of ideas, but then be able to sift through them, right? To make sure that uh, perhaps the ones that, uh, going back to what we said before, address the issue, address the problem, or have the best chance for success. Are there things that you do to uh, foster that creativity when you're working with clients? And what are some of the tips that you can give to people to bring out their own creative genius? Um, 
so it, the, the rules, you know, the suspend judgments, let's go for quantity, um, let's build on each other ideas. Also really important when we diverge because um, that's where the, the bad idea it can be the best one because I might not be that, but there might somebody might connect to something else or there right. is a beginning of something. And so really that is, um, is really important. Um, and uh, trust each other. You know, really, and the the thing with um, the suspending judgment is also like if you try to write something and you edit at the same time, it's different part of your brain. And so if you don't give that part of your brain a chance to like, just do that, remove my sensor for five minutes, two hours, whatever it is, then the first idea that's going to come up when I do an uh, ideation, sometimes I play and I do coding, color coding to see that. The first 20 ideas, they're the most obvious one. They're the one at the, the top of mine. So you need to save them, but it's not likely that's going to be the idea that we're really going to bring something new. So you need to get that out. You need to let everybody get that out. And then you can push. And then you can start making interesting connections. Then you can, and uh, when I do ideation, I would use technique like, uh, well, okay, now I want you to think about something we will never do. Let's come up with something we'll, we'll never do. Or I might use a character and say, okay, think if you were Mickey Mouse, what would Mickey Mouse do to solve that problem? So get people different mindset, get people out of their own bias and way of thinking and suddenly things come up. Hmm. Oh, I use visual as well. I use um, pictures and look at these pictures, what new idea come up when you look at these pictures. And we start making connection with things that we usually don't connect because there's really a, not a lot of new, new idea. But by making new connections, things happen that are interesting and relevant to your industry. So there might be something else in another industry, but you never thought about, oh, okay, I can learn something from the travel industry when I'm in tech, you know? Does that make sense? Yeah, it absolutely makes sense. And uh, think differently, right? Going back to Steve Jobs, Apple, just thinking differently, coming at it from different angles or different perspectives, I think is what you're saying. Yes. Um, and so I hear you talking about working with a group or doing this in a, in a group dynamic. What are the ways that the leader can foster? Again, giving some space, but I'm imagining with, uh, you know, I'm sitting down with that AI group or my own staff uh, and we're looking to brainstorm a solution to a problem. What are the things that the leader can do to, and I guess probably this is what you do uh, as an individual leader in your own respect when you're working with clients, but what are some of the things that uh, uh, they can do to, uh, I guess, invite the, the most creative fermentation of ideas to come together as possible? So I think the most important is really modeling uh, what, so if you work with a group and you have a leader, you have people with different level, you know, in the company and you have the leader or the CEO or something, he should be, you know, in that group as no special power. So his idea doesn't have more weight than that person's idea. And just be clear that for the group, because I see when that doesn't happen, like suddenly everybody cringe and they start judging yeah, the their own idea. Yeah, the fear comes back like into that. it, right? Yeah, what you described before, that, that lack of freedom will then start to persist. So that's one thing that's really important as a group. It doesn't, in that specific setting, he's not a leader. He's just one of the people there. He might jump to leading maybe when we make a decision. You know, we have all those ideas. He might be the end decision maker, but for the rest of the process, he needs to be just one of everybody else. The other uh, part is really important, championing. So the worst thing that can happen to a company, I do a three-day training, everybody's excited, they come back, they start coming up and start, you know, coming up with new things. They go to their management or and they say, I have an idea. And the person says, We can't do that, it's never going to work. That's the last time somebody will come up with an idea. So when when people have enthusiasm about it, they come with things, 
just find a way to say, hey, this is interesting. Tell me more. Uh, it might not work and that's totally okay, but people need to understand it. But really, um, and if people fail, that's where the people are going to watch out. If they fail and something bad happened to them, once again, that's the end of innovation in your organization. So if you fail, it should be some ways to let's celebrate failure. Let's do a lesson learned with our team. Let, um, you know, talk about it. Let's really see as an a chance to learn rather than something that failed and it, and it has bad consequences. That's great. That's great advice. Uh, and uh, I know that you lead people through this process yourself. Um, you talk about a two or three day workshop. Uh, I think that's one of your offerings, but can you talk about how people work with you and what it would look like to engage you in, in this process? So um, all my work is custom because one of the principles of design thinking can be user-centered. And so I'm client-centered. So every client has different needs. And also have different constraints. So some people might have three days and they can give the team with a three-day work. Some people say, you know, we're so busy right now. So it might be, well, we'll do something half day and then another half day and we'll do a, a program over six months. So it's really different. But the typical way I can work uh, with client is I will do um, three things. Uh, one thing I can do is I can train the team. So no, acknowledging that people don't know how to work together on innovation projects. I can help them with um, process and tool. And uh, back to you, uh, to your point before, I don't talk a lot and people take note that it's really experiential because otherwise it doesn't work. So I might talk a little bit and then we'll take a real example that belonged to that company. So it's real for them and say, okay, no, you have this challenge. How would we go at understanding the problem? How would we do our developing ideas? How do we go about... Um, you know, prototyping them and maybe have some next step and things like that. So people can learn by doing in reality, not just um, talking. Uh, so that's one thing I do. Uh, the other thing I do is often this is great, but this is not enough because people do that and then they go back and they have the same job the next day and they have the same pressure. And so that what they learn is really hard to start implementing in their organizations. So I do uh, coaching as well. Mm -hmm. Often it's team coaching. So maybe every two weeks we talk about how is that working for you and what have you done and what are your challenges? Or if people have, a, they're working on something and they're stuck, they can always call me and we can do one-on-one -on -one coaching or whatever. So it's really kind of thinking about supporting the change because it's really a, a change of way we're doing business. And then the last thing I do, one of the other things I do, because I do a lot of other things, but is um, if people have a specific project, and that's mostly uh, around new products or services, uh, they might hire me to facilitate the process. So I will take them. And that's usually when it would be a, like two to three day workshop from mm -hmm. problem to prototype and even some pre-work before that. So they're looking for new areas. They're not really sure what to think about. It's always a new segment that they're not familiar with or something like that. And I will take them through the whole process so they can really focus on bringing their knowledge. And I'm here just to, to make things smooth and have the process and be sure that we get to the outcome that they want to get. Yeah, really to facilitate, right? Uh, you've got uh, exactly. some experience moving a project forward. Yeah. How would people find you? How would people reach out? I know you've got a, a, an offering on your uh, on your side of things as well. Would you like to introduce that to the audience? Okay. So my general website is uh, www.strategicinsights.biz. Uh, there's a lot of other information that you'll find in the in the notes. 
And then uh, for this group and this uh, audience, I have a special offer that I wanted to share. Mm -hmm, yes. And um, no, I attend a lot of conferences, talk to a lot of um, people in the innovation uh, space. And so uh, I put together a list of nine questions that can really spark you thinking about innovation. So in a way, those questions can be starting to be an innovation audit for your organization or have we thought about who should be in charge of innovation? Or um, uh, do we have a clear protocol for financing or innovation project or thing like that? So you can download this. And then once you uh, complete them, uh, you can schedule some 30 minutes a discussion. And I'd be glad to review what you're doing, answer any questions, and then see if uh, I can be of further help after that. Oh, that's a great so, offer. Yeah, to take uh, take people through the beginning of the process any, anyways and talk uh, talk a little bit about how it might be built out, right? Or how uh, you might be able to collaborate as a means yeah, of moving the uh, project forward. And those questions are really helpful for uh, for an organization, whether they're small or big, to really think about, have we thought about all those aspects of innovation? Mm -hmm, when we say mm -hmm. innovation, we really understand what it means throughout, both in terms of people, of our process, of finance, of risk-taking, all those elements that are really critical to be successful. That's interesting. So, it, I mean, as you say, innovating in all different areas of a business's all areas where it executes. So it may not just be a product or a service or the way it works with the client, exactly. but maybe the way they're uh, even internally doing things uh, as a means yeah. of making sure they're, I guess, I guess innovating, right? Or moving forward. Would that be a good way to say it as well for an organization? For me, ultimately, innovation is about change. If it's business of usual, we know how to do it. We're really good at it. That's all my expertise and usually the company does well. But when you're trying to change things and create something different, uh, that's where uh, it's a little often not so comfortable for the team members. There's some anxiety because we don't know if we're going to succeed. We don't have, we can't say, we'll do the same thing we did last year because this is about, we don't know. It's kind of the, and so this is really where that can be helpful. Oh, that's wonderful. It's good to hear that. Now, um, we start, I guess, offline a little bit. We spoke in French. On a parlé en français un petit peu. Oui, bien sûr. Yeah, for those people here that may be listening from around the world, we certainly have some French listeners as well. Uh, why don't you give us a, I guess, the high level, or peut-être en français, dit peut-être la même chose pour quelqu'un qui maintenant est en train de développer quelque chose. Okay. Uh, donc, si vous êtes en train de développer quelque chose, c'est important de comprendre d'abord quel problème, quel est votre, quel est le problème vous devez vous essayer de répondre uh, et être sûr que c'est le bon problème. Parce qu'il y a beaucoup de problèmes que vous pouvez résoudre, mais lequel est le plus, euh, celui qui a le plus de sens. Et pour ça, c'est important de, com de comprendre, bien comprendre nos utilisateurs. Euh, ça peut être les utilisateurs de votre produit si vous en avez déjà un, ou les futurs utilisateurs, ou les gens qui vont, qui savent même pas qu'ils vont être utilisateurs, mais qui peuvent avoir un besoin dans ce, de ce côté-là. Donc, c'est faire, faire de la recherche, faire de la recherche ethnographique. Euh, parler à, aux, à des utilisateurs potentiels, aller les visiter, faire des photos, les observer euh, et vraiment euh, être d'accord sur le problème. La deuxième chose, c'est euh, pas s'arrêter au bout de cinq, les premières cinq à dix, mais être sûr qu'on a beaucoup d'idées et qu'on regarde l'idée de différentes manières et de, de choisir ses idées et de développer des prototypes euh, et pour commencer à essayer, tester et à avoir des, des voir avec les utilisateurs, ce qu'ils en pensent. Donc, sortir de notre tête et de, nos, de ce qu'on pense et vraiment regarder à être plus centré sur nos utilisateurs et ce qu'ils veulent et comment on peut avoir un impact. 
Oh, that's wonderful. C'est bon ça. Uh, and we have people listening from all around the world. So I'm sure it was fun for you to also do this in your maternal language because uh, you probably don't always get the opportunity. I understand you work with clients throughout the world, though. So we shouldn't uh, suggest that that's not the case. But I mostly work in English. And I have to say my uh, French business French is not so good anymore because I've been in the U.S. for 25 years. So. Yeah. yeah. And there's a vernacular, right? There's a language. For those that uh, probably didn't understand, I mean, I, I love how you're getting into like, get out of your head sometimes, right? Uh, you know, in, in French to say get out of your head sometimes. I think it's valuable advice for anybody uh, at, uh, at certain times. Make sure you get out of your head. Maybe think about things a little bit differently. Uh, that probably translates quite well to uh, any business owner throughout the world. I'd like to end these podcasts with a discussion or um, talking about something for uh, a business owner that we can leave them with at the end of the podcast, something that they can take from our conversation, maybe start applying it to their own business as they continue to evolve or innovate in their own right. Can you leave us with something uh, today, Alain, that you would consider to be a, uh, a little nugget, a little, a little shiny diamond or perhaps a rough diamond that we can polish for a business owner that's listening right now? Sure, I have a couple of thoughts there. The first one is it can feel overwhelming sometimes. And when it's feel overwhelming, the tendency is not to do anything. So my challenge to you is don't have to be big, but try something. Do one thing. So at your next meeting, just be there and say, you know what? Let's take five minutes and everybody, every idea is go. We use post-its, we put them on the wall and we're going to suspend judgment. Just try something small. And from that, you build confidence. If you are in an organization and you know, you're not used so much to innovation, don't start on the big projects. Start on the small project. Let's test something with, um, you know, we have this one idea and maybe we have this one users. Let's try this one idea with him for a week and um, one users and see how that goes. So then it's like, okay, we learned something and this was interesting. And it feels much less overwhelming. So start small, really have a prototyping mentality, do things, do it to learn. Don't try to be perfect, which is a big challenge. I mean, I have a corporate background and in corporate, we want to be perfect. Forget that. Twice small, twice things. And then the other thing is tell story. Storytelling is a very important part of design thinking. And, you know, we go to this meeting and we have this big deck and we have everything in order. But you know what? It's not resonating because at the end of the day, we're all human. So yes, you need the rational, but you also need the emotional. And if you start your meeting and say, you know what? I made Joe yesterday. And you know what? Joe is really stuck because he has a very strong, difficult legal challenge and he doesn't know who to talk to. Well, guess what? No, we have an idea that can help Joe. Just that little thing. Suddenly that idea about AI and legal is have a different way to people are going to think about it differently and then they'd be willing to to listen to you 20 page deck so <laughs> that's why right. you can get them to sit through it yeah that's just it well that's great because uh, as you say even from our ai uh, and legal example from what you just described there something smaller let's just bring it right down to joe right just to one person how they might be interacting and then of course the business can look at ways of solving that or moving it forward so that's that's really helpful elena really appreciate your time today I think you've changed my thinking. Start small, tell a story. I think those are fantastic things for us to end on. I'll think of a good little story to add into the show notes for this show. And of course, we'll put all the details into, on how to find you. Is there anything else you'd like to add as we uh, say our parting words here? No, it's just been a pleasure talking to you. And uh, good luck to all of the listeners. And what I want to say is innovation is for everybody. It's not because you're a small business that is doesn't apply. Because if you don't innovate and if you don't change, you're going to be dead. The pace of change is so fast here that 
everybody needs to consider about what needs to be transformed and changed in the next year or two if I even want to stay in business and even more if I want to grow. Very nicely. Well put. Innovate or die. No, maybe that's a little too drastic, but uh, innovate, innovate, innovate. We'll continue to say that. Ellen, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks for the French and English. Uh, for anybody out there looking to innovate or connect with Ellen, feel free to reach out. Again, we'll put everything in the show notes. Thanks again. Merci beaucoup. Merci et bonne journée. Thanks for listening to The Millionaire's Lawyer. Please subscribe and rate on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. To get your business millionaire assessed and to access the wide variety of resources that we offer in addition to this podcast, go to jpmcavoy.com. That's jpmcavoy.com.